You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello. Yes, I'm here again. Mark's uh, under the weather. He's got a few health problems and he's not really feeling up to it. But I've been joined today by Donnie Yankelo, uh, my Mac veteran, uh, children's book author, uh, sticker maker, artist, and a variety of other things. So, uh, hello, Donnie. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good, actually. Uh, it's a bank holiday weekend here in the UK, and we're having what is a, being described as the hottest bank holiday weekend for 20 years. Um, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, there's almost no breeze, and it's about 24 degrees, which is spectacular as long as you like hot, sunny weather, I guess. Uh, but yes, it's it's wonderful, I guess. It's very nice. It's keeping the kids uh, happy, that's for sure. And uh, tomorrow, I think uh, my daughter and her boyfriend are organising a barbecue. So all good fun. It works. We're going between we're going between winter, spring, and summer all at the same time, back and forth. So <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, I have to admit that it that also you know me describing the weather there makes it sound fabulous. I I will say that uh, earlier in the week it was about five degrees C and uh, pelting down with rain. So that felt like it was the middle of the winter. And within a week, we've gone from that to, okay, to what is really a blazing August day. (laughs) So there you go. That's good old British weather for you, doing the usual. Well, uh, Donnie, would you like to tell us about some of the things you you do? I know that, uh, didn't you recently publish a children's book? Um, I've got a bunch of children's books um, in the iBook store. Um, I think I've been doing it for seven years on my own now writing and illustrating books uh, i do the same for a local author here um, but i just released a new one kind of for the younger age um called the little red dinosaur just about a little red dinosaur going through it today and i don't know if you had these when you were little but when i was younger i remember books that didn't have any words and they were some of my favorite books because you take you had to make up the story yourself so i um kind of made a version without any words as well and um that's also in the iBook store. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, is it selling well? Um, well, let's, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> if we got some exposure, maybe. Okay. Right. Well, That's the hardest part. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Uh, what was there? was an article I was reading. Um, I forget where it was linked from, but there was an article I was reading the other day saying, you know, yes, so you built this fabulous uh, iOS app. Now you realize the hard part is getting people to know it's there. Uh, right. And uh, that's the truth. My about first book, you know? The first book I did back in 2012, called looking for a dime, but Apple featured it on the front page of the children's section in the iBook store. Well, that's got to be a big, and that, it? it was, it was huge. It was a bestseller in the top 10 for um, a little while. And um, they haven't been as nice to me since. So, <laughs> Okay. Well, and I don't know why they did it to begin with, but I'll take it. Yeah, too right. Just uh, it's uh, you know, any boost is uh, 
good, especially if it's for free. Maybe they just, uh, maybe, I guess it must have just taken somebody's fancy, somebody on the team's fancy. And I think it was for the big, before the big boom hit when everybody was doing books. So I kind of slid in under the wire, so to speak. Yeah, right. Okay, well, and uh, I know you, you do some sticker packs as well, don't you, for iMessage? Right, yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, holiday ones, general ones, crazy ones. So there you go. Uh, it's, do you want to mention the names of any of them so that listeners can go look for them? I'll put them um, in the show notes later. There's a um, new one I just did called Scribbled Hedgehog, S-K-R-B-L-E-D, with kind of a cartoony hedgehog. I did a bunch of hedgehog series called Hedgehoggery. Um, there's one based on a book I did called The Moon Rhymes. And um, there's one last summer, I work at a summer camp, and one of the two of the campers had an argument over whether or not cereal was actually super nut. So um, I did a breakfast-themed one called the Cereal Soup. Okay. <laughs> and there's a bunch of others. If you need one for any holiday, I've got most of the holidays covered. Excellent. Okay. Well, uh, give us the links for those, and we'll put them in the show notes. We'll do. Okay. Uh, well... I guess we could move on to some stories. Uh, top well, top of the week, of course, is Apple's earnings call, um, which is being splashed all over everywhere. And what was apparently surprising to all and sundry, apart from me, it seems, and I'm probably a few other people, but actually, despite all the doom and gloom and Apple is doomed and the iPhone 10 is a splop and... Uh, all the rest of it, the analysts were completely wrong, utterly, utterly off the mark, and uh, Apple had a bumper season. I believe it was a record-breaking quarter, and uh, so there you go. All I've got to say about that, really, is suck it up, you doom-mongering analysts. Suck it up. <laughs> I don't have a lot of respect for analysts, by the way. Have, can you tell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also how much of it is just clickbait too oh yeah yeah there, there's always that but um of course these these rumors got out didn't they that because of supply chain um rumors that you know samsung's uh samsung's screen division wasn't doing particularly well people made a leap um you know uh, i guess a logical fallacy and made the leap that because Apple buy their screens from Samsung, that must mean that Apple had uh, reduced their screen orders and that's why Samsung was down. Actually, it turns out after the event, it's because Samsung's phones are not doing so well and uh, that's why they're that's why their takings were down and uh, more of the same. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that uh, I think Uncle Tim summed that one up, didn't he? Some time ago where he said, don't put yeah. too much trust in supply chain rumours. It's, uh, you know, involved and complicated, and one data point does not indicate anything at all. Um, I, I see more and more iPhone 10s every day, so I don't think they're having problems selling them. Well, I have to say, I have yet to see one in the flesh, but that said, uh, um, you know, I work in an office, there's only... Well, I mean, there's only 12 of us in the whole company and only about <laughs> five of us in the office, so, you know, that's I don't get a great deal of... Uh, exposure to the outer outside world and uh even when i am it's pretty hard to tell uh you know most iphones apart these days so especially if they're in a case so there you go i've got a, li- a couple of links in here um one from the cult of mac which was five big revelations from apple's surprising q2 earnings call which had some uh points that they thought were interesting uh unsurprising iphone 10 is a hit uh, China is not a disaster, apparently. Uh, 
I think the healthcare one's interesting. Yes, the healthcare one is probably the most interesting one that they mentioned, which is why everybody else is worrying about the future of the iPhone. Apple has its sights set on a bigger pie, healthcare. Um, I've read stuff about this before, and I think it's true. Uh, you know, the the i uh, the iPhone the i the iPhone obviously started the trend with uh, a few pieces, and then the watch built on that obviously and they really are pushing that aren't they there's you know, they're, they're heart rate monitoring and uh, a whole load of things and I, th- I think it's true i think apple really do have their eyes set on um expanding into healthcare and i can't i can yeah, see I why it, there's a lot of money uh, well for a start I, we oh, discussed yeah. this one we discussed this one time before um they've set up a couple of clinics haven't they uh for i think so on their campus one, one on the campus and one somewhere else, I think, for for Apple employees. Um, obviously, the US is a completely different market to to here in the UK, where we have um, you know state supplied medical care. Um, private medicine is also an option if you want to pay uh, privately. But um, I, I could see that you know really going quite big if that's what they wanted to do. Would you uh, you know Would you be happy to not only take out uh, you know Apple Apple Care Plus on your devices, but would you like to take out Apple Health Cut <laughs> Apple Health Plus Apple Care on yourself? Yeah, Apple Health Plus on your uh, you know on your person. And uh, I think it'd be interesting if um they had some kind of health service and it came like, pay us X number a month, you get an Apple Watch, and somehow the Apple Watch ties into everything and monitors whatever. I think there are already giving healthcare providers or health insurance is tied to something certain companies if i remember reading correctly um yeah i'm i i've seen some things like that i'm not sure about in america um i think certainly in this country there were a couple of uh, there were a couple of initiatives along the same lines of um you know we'll give you a bit a bit like if you uh, if you want to get a reduction on your on your car insurance there are companies in this country who will um, give you a black box, put in your car, and uh, you know as long as your your score on that shows that you are not a, a dangerous driver, they'll give you a reduction. And I believe there were some there were some <clears throat> sorry there were some health uh, insurance providers or uh, you know life insurance providers in this country who uh, were offering a discount if you you know could provide apple watch data that showed that you weren't going to die of having a heart attack any minute soon <laughs> and went to the gym yeah, on a regular basis etc my uh my car insurance company does the same thing they give you a little white thing to put in your glove box and it tracks your driving habits i want to know what happens if they don't like what you're doing does it raise your insurance rate or i've no idea that i have no idea here in this country they have to basically they if you take one if you're um if your score on the box is low enough or high enough, I guess, whichever way around you want to measure it, you, you get a discount. And if it's not, you don't. Because um, they mostly measure things like um, acceleration and braking. Right. Probably speeding. Uh, speed. Yeah, that sort of thing. So it would, if you're driving excessively fast, I'm sure, you know, for example, there are standard uh, standard speed limits in, across a lot of the UK. So if you're going faster than 70, you're definitely speeding. Full stop. <laughs> Um, I, I just sent you a link about the um, about Aetna subsidizing a portion of, of 
employees and individual customers during up open enrollment. All right. Okay. Get a discounted Apple Watch from health insurance companies. Yes, we, that's the sort of thing we've we've I've seen over here. Um, in in exchange for wearing it and proving that you go to go to the gym and uh, right, it'll be interesting. It will. Um, whether Apple actually want to become a uh, you know a health provider as such, or whether they want to, um, I'm pretty sure they want to expand into health monitoring type devices. Um, the the watch obviously you know the watch the watch obviously is the start of that, and we know, don't we? We've heard that uh, that Tim's particularly interested in uh, non-invasive. Uh, diabetes monitoring, for example, blood sugar. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can imagine that would be huge. That would be huge. Somebody who can develop a non-invasive um, blood sugar measurement system. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are diabetics, and there's a lot of people who would really benefit, I'm sure, from being able to monitor their blood sugar without having to keep stabbing their finger. Um, just on the grounds that it's not very pleasant to keep stabbing your finger. For a start, right. I'm sure, you know, um, not something I have to do, but I'm pretty sure, you know, if you had to do it, it's not particularly great, is it, having to keep sticking a pin in your finger? So, there we go. Uh, yes, so, so that was, uh, was it, it's an area of great interest where we think we can make a big difference. It's a major strategic thrust, said Tim, apparently. Um and as they say here, the numbers are huge. The U.S. healthcare spending grew 4.3% in 2016, reaching $3.3 trillion, uh, $10,348 per person, apparently. Um, that's a lot of money, isn't it? That's a lot of money. And uh, well, Here's an idea. I don't, know, I don't know how it is over there with you, but we have little healthcare providers popping up left and right where, you know, you don't need an appointment. Wait a minute, you just walk in if you're feeling sick, but imagine an Apple Care provider on every corner like Starbucks and you just walk in, no appointment needed, get yep. them to take care of you. <laughs> Very much. Have have I iPhones for sale at the same time? Yep, you know. Exactly. Turn up. I don't feel very well, right? You know, we'll have a look at you being walk out like, with an Apple Watch. Yeah, and uh, well, while you're here, sir, why don't you think about an Apple Watch, which could monitor your heart rate right. for you, and uh, perhaps your breathing rate, and various other things, tell you if you're getting enough exercise. Yeah, I don't, you know, I could, I could see those things. I could see those being quite big. Uh, whether that's really what Apple are up to or not, I have no idea. But it is definitely true that uh, I'm pretty convinced that they're. They're very. I know Tim is. You know, we Tim said several times, didn't he, that that's something he thinks is you know good for Apple, good for Apple customers, good for the population in general. So um, yeah, I, I think that's a big thing. And then uh, as they end their article up, doom and gloom is cancelled. Yes, there we go. So it is. The doom and gloom is cancelled. Apple were not flailing. Apple were actually making all the money. Lots and lots of money. There we go. And uh, apparently the iPhone 10 is the world's best-selling smartphone in Q1, according to uh, Strategy Analytics, apparently. So, yeah. Uh, on the not-quite-so-great side, though, apparently there's an, a, a bug in the iPhone 7, uh, which apparently manifests itself with certain iPhone 7s running uh, iOS 11.3 or later. Now, um I haven't I haven't seen much about this other than this article itself, which turned up on the Mac Observer. Um, have you heard anything about it, Donny? Or I've only seen the article like you. I, it's kind of weird. 
yeah. that it would only affect the iPhone 7. Yeah, and, and I mean, I have an iPhone 7, and I've been running, um, as you know, I run the betas. I'm on 11.4.5 or something now, um, and I've never had a problem with that. But uh, some people have been finding their speaker button is greyed out during phone calls, which kind of is a bit of a problem, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, um, kind of. Kind of tend to need the microphone to work to make a phone call. Um, apparently, the microphone bug, Apple recommends unpair or turn off Bluetooth to see if that works. If it doesn't, service providers have been told to run audio diagnostics, and this will show if the phone is in need of a repair. If an alert appears that says accessory not supported or device could not detect dot, whatever that means, uh, service providers have been authorized. Kind of weird that. Yeah. Go ahead. It's kind of weird that. It's they're tying it to Bluetooth. Well, yeah, and unless it's a a bug, unless where the, it's wireless. Well, I mean, if you, I'm wondering if it's a little bit like the um, the optical socket problem on some of the older uh, MacBook. Certainly, um, the the headphone jack on some of the um, MacBooks, particularly the white plastic ones in the past. There's a gate, isn't there, that opens at the end if you're using an optical cable. Oh, is there? Yeah, if you have an op- optical plug, it's slightly longer than a than a standard three point five mil jack, and it it opens a little trapdoor at the end of the at the end of the socket to um, activate the the optical link. And uh, on some of those, they would get stuck open, so that um, the laptop basically would then believe that you had a pair of headphones inserted into the into the machine and as a result your your speakers wouldn't work Uh, i'm just wondering if it's if it's something like that where it it thinks there's something connected to bluetooth which you know as such would then turn off the microphone seems a bit weird but there you go that's just my wild wild just kind of stab in the dark i know nothing um According to this, uh, service providers have been authorised by Apple to repair devices even if they are no longer under war- warranty specifically for this issue. So, um, and uh, that you know, that's a typical Apple thing, isn't it? Um, right. I my six developed a problem with the uh, like the the earpiece out, so that um, the the microphone, you know, the speaker that you use to hold to your ear uh, became very flaky and if i pressed on the glass in a certain position it would come back on and i reported it to apple yeah uh, i reported it to apple a couple of times um and apparently it became a known problem on that model that the somehow that i don't know if it was the connection or whatever but it became a known problem and when the uh, when the earpiece pretty much gave up altogether uh, my phone was out of, out of warranty by then, but because I'd reported it to them while it was in warranty that I was having a problem with it, um, they just said, okay, send it in and we'll fix it. Um, and that's a known problem on this model. And Which this- actually, that's that's a good thing to point out. It's always important before your warranty expires, yes. even if you think it's going to be nothing, get it on record that you have a problem. You're having an issue. Yeah, yeah. And that was because then we can. You can say, hey, I contacted you two months ago and you said it was nothing, but it's happening again. Or 
Yeah, exactly. That was that was exactly what happened in my case. You know, first of all, they said, "Well, it's out of warranty," and I said, "Yeah, but I've I've reported this to you before, and I think I'd even sent it in for service once." And they said they couldn't find anything wrong with it, and they said, "Yeah, I can see that this phone has been, you know, you've reported this problem previously." So in this case, I'm just we're just going to call it in, and they, you know, they did the usual thing in my case, which was, uh, you know, do you want to go to an Apple store? No, because the nearest one's an hour and a half away. Fine, we'll send you a box, and uh, you'll, you know post it off to us and we'll fix it and post it back. So, yes, that's all. it's always good. If you have a problem with your Apple device, you know, report it um, because it does get logged. And then if, if the problem crops up after your warranty is expired, Apple will usually honour it because it's, you know, reported as a problem whilst you're in warranty. So that is true. So anyway, uh, apparently there is a microphone bug affecting an unknown number of iPhone 7s running iOS 11.3 or later. Um, can't be that many, I wouldn't assume, because it doesn't appear to have been splashed all over the all over the web. We've had no microphone gate or <laughs> So there we go. Um, but if you're uh, if you're listening and your iPhone 7 microphone is being grayed out when you try and make a phone call, speak to Apple. There you go. Uh the, the the other one, now this one was quite interesting, and uh, I suppose I wasn't really surprised by it. I don't know about you, Donnie, but I've put two stories in here. Uh, what Apple records about you from Lifehacker, um, which was very much, um, spoiler, not very much, um, and one from USA Today, which uh, on the same thing, which is my request for all the data Apple had on me was eye-opening. Um in both cases, what it adds up to is uh, Apple take quite a long time to get back to you with the data they hold. Uh, one guy said it took them eight days. Right. Um, but yeah. what what they sent him was about nine megabytes of data. Apparently, his his Facebook download was hundreds of megabytes of data. Um, and I think it was like what you bought in the iTunes store, which you can just click the My Account button and see all that too, just by going into iTunes. That was a lot of the information. Um, here we go. Apple took eight days to give me the data it collected on me, and it was eye-opening. Um, what did I get? Apple's file on me took longer, but it was lightweight. A testimony according to the company of how little it collects and stores. Uh, it kept a copy of the app and songs I downloaded. Um Every tune I'd added to iTunes, every time I needed a repair on my Apple devices going back over a decade. Uh, Which would make sense. Yeah. Um, Apple didn't share with me the questions I've asked Siri. The company says the data wouldn't tell you anything since it's not associated with them. Your Siri requests uh, go back to Apple, but they are they use a random identi- identifier to mask your identity. So there you go. Apparently... Um, Apple says flatly they don't want your personal information and they don't store it. Uh, I guess it's nice to see that um, they actually practice what they preach and say they do. So Yep. So um, what what was the one? The other one, I I forget, the guy was saying, you know, he downloaded his Facebook data and it was quite frightening, the amount of stuff. Um, There we go. So it's, uh, it's quite possible to ask Apple to send you everything they know about you and you'll find out that it's not very much uh as you say pretty much what apps you've bought what stuff you've bought off itunes uh what devices you've owned and uh what repairs you've had done and that appears to be pretty much it so there you go uh practicing basically what what you'd want them to have on you if you have a problem you know 
with an iTunes song, all of a sudden you can say, yeah, I bought it from you. What's going on? Or Yeah, that is true. That is true. <clears throat> so that was about it, really. Uh, that one. Uh, the other one, the, the other one is uh, a piece here from Cult of Mac. How to keep using Time Machine without airport or time capsule. Uh, well, I won't go into the, uh, the specifics of that. It's all fairly simple. Uh, what I thought we might talk about, Donny, um, and you mentioned before, is, you know, do we think it's a good idea for Apple to have um, discontinued the airport? I- I'm I'm in two minds. I don't know about you. What do you think about it? I don't, I don't, I'm kind of upset that they have because I think it was the best, one of the best routers I've had in my house or even at work. I remember years ago at a school I used to work with, we replaced Linksys routers with the airport extreme, kind of the flat, looked like the Apple TV, the flat white boxes. And um, we couldn't believe the range on those things. I mean, it doubled what we were getting with the other boxes. I mean, they were fantastic, fantastic um, devices. But if it's pulling too much resources or if they don't think it's something worth their them uh, investing in right now, I guess, you know, they know it's best for them. But I could it'd be nice if it was tied into Apple TV or something else in the future. Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of I'm the way that I'm in two minds about it is it's quite obvious that the airport range hadn't been updated for a long time and realistically was fairly obsolete. But right. at the same time, I think there's an, a lot of, and, and I always thought their airport stuff was overpriced, I'll be honest. But I think there's a lot of Apple users who like the uh, assurance, I guess, of buying an, you know, an Apple airport and just plugging it in and knowing it's all going to work. Um, and setup was so easy. Yeah. I, my biggest regret, really, I think, at the, at the, at the ending of airport is, it would have been nice if they'd produced a mesh system, as everybody seems to be going mesh. That would have been nice. Um, Who knows? More? They might be working on one under a totally different name. Well, maybe. And they're not. Gonna, uh, but you they, never know. They, they've said that they've got no um, no current plans, have they, for replacement hardware? I think that's what they said. So I I think I'm disappointed. I'm most disappointed about the fact that I think they could have produced uh, a new era of airport type devices uh, tied in maybe with um, the home kit and as you say the Apple TV. Um, I agree, but if I'm guessing, brought out a mesh type system based on the price of just the Airport Extreme alone. If it was a system with two or three devices in your house, that could be knowing Apple a thousand dollars. Yeah, I was going to say the, that is the uh, that would be the kicker, wouldn't it? Knowing Apple's prices, considering that mesh systems are not cheap, are they? Uh, what's the Euro three, four hundred dollars? I think something like that. Um, I'm sure the prices will come down. Um, you know, I remember when when uh, wireless routers were a lot of money. Um, Although in this article they're suggesting what right router should you buy instead of an airport, and they've got this Netgear R seven thousand. Um, man, that thing looks ugly. Yeah, I think my uncle has one of those in his house. When I saw it, I was like, "Whoa, 
It is like a this weird thing, black it, web. It works really good. Oh, I'm sure it does. I mean, I have I have a Netgear router, um, quite old now, 3000 series, I think. But I, I've always had Netgear routers, to be honest. Uh, the very first wireless one I had was the uh, DG34G, I think, which was a, a really, really popular um, router at the time. Wasn't a lot of money. It was uh, small, unobtrusive, easy to set up. Um, in this country, at one point, AOL was shipping them out as their default um, provided yeah. router. Uh, but I've always had Netgear routers. I've, I've really liked. I do really like Netgear. Um, but yeah, this one, this one in this article, um, it looks like somewhere between a stealth fighter and um, an alien mothership. I think. But there you go. Yeah. I'll tell you what um, I think will be missed are the airport expresses. At least I would miss it. I have one connected to an old printer, an old laser. Have, um, uh, what's it called? Where you print wirelessly. I'm, oh, yeah. My brain's yeah. drawing a blank right air now. Print. So, yeah, airprint. And, uh, you know, wireless. And you put it on your network and you can just print to it. It was a laser printer that someone else was using. They didn't want it anymore. So I stuck it in my basement. We use it at heavy-duty print loads. And it's hooked up to an airport express. Yeah, that's that's another thing, isn't it? And, you know, a lot of people kind of um, poo-poo some of the older standards. You know, if it's not running AC and, and dual or tri-band or you right. know, why on earth would you want it? But you have to remember that I always think people have to remember that not every task needs, you know, gigabit Wi-Fi. If you're sending stuff to a print server, I'm sure that, Sending it via N or you know is perfectly acceptable. Right. Um, sure, you know if you want to play Fortnite or Call of Duty or whatever it is across your wireless router, yeah, you want a big, fast, fat, heavy-duty wireless network. But you want to send some, <laughs> you want to send some documents to your laser printer. You know, um, it doesn't really need to be that heavy-duty. I don't think. Right. So, uh, as I say, I'm I'm sad to see it go. I I guess I can understand why they've done it, and I can also see that perhaps with the um you know the growth of these mesh systems, why Apple think it's just not worth their while. I mean, a lot of people have said probably rightly that why did Apple get into doing routers in the first place? Because they were the first people to you know popularize Wi-Fi. They were the first people right. with what you know a Wi-Fi laptop with the with the original uh, iBook. They were the first people to start you know putting Wi-Fi into into their desktops and whatnot by default. Um, and like many things, when you're the first, you need the inf- you know you need infrastructure. Um, and I think at the time when they were doing that, the options were often expensive industrial type um, pieces of kit difficult to set up overkill for home users and you know they brought out the the original airport base station and you could just go and buy it put it in your house and have a wi-fi network um and that's not true anymore is it you know wi-fi is now a commodity it's a well certainly i think for most of us in the western world it's like like turning on the tap and expecting water to come out um you know everybody pretty much expects to have a wi-fi um network of a reasonable standard and you don't have to pay a lot of money to go and you know to purchase a half decent wi-fi router so i I guess from that point of view um it's possibly you know uh, a waste of time for apple to continue 
uh, to produce them. Yeah, so there we go. I guess I, I'm partly sad about the loss of airport. Uh, the time capsule, maybe not so much. I always thought that was overpriced, and um, a lot of people told me that it was prone to overheating. Uh, but there we go. Uh, right, uh, what else? Uh, you wanted to talk about the keyboard, didn't you, Donny? Right. Um, um, go ahead. Yes, well... Yeah, uh, uh, there's a petition uh, calling Apple to recall and replace the failing butterfly MacBook Pro keyboard, uh, and this was on nine to five Mac. I mean, do you want to take the do you want to take the lead on that one, Donny? Tell us what it's about. Um, there's a petition that um, Matthew Taylor has, um, I guess, put online for people to sign, asking Apple to recall the MacBook MacBook Pros released since late 2016, and not just repair the keyboards, but replace them with an entirely new design keyboard. Right. Which um, I find uh, a little extreme, maybe. I can understand recalling the keyboards, recalling the computers and repairing the keyboards, but telling Apple they have to completely redesign the keyboard and put a new one in for these computers, that's a little... um... Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure that I'm with him on that, although I kind of get the point of that, because the, the argument is, isn't it, that as I understand it, is that these butterfly switch keyboards have almost no travel. They have like tiny, right. tiny amount of travel. Um, I've tried it once and I completely hated it. Right. I I went into a store where they had one and sort of typed on it for about two seconds. Hardly really enough to make a judgment. Um, I mean, there are plenty of people who say they don't like the, the chiclet type keys that are used in the in the Apple keyboards or on the older MacBooks. Uh, I, I love those. I've absolutely loved those ever since the uh, first aluminium, Apple aluminium out. I like those. Now, the... Um, the butterfly ones, some people seem to like them, some people hate them. Uh, I've not used one enough to make a, you know, a real judgment on it. Uh, I, As I say, I like the chiclet keyboard. I find there's enough travel in that to be aware that you're typing, not so much as to feel like hard work. Um, for many years, my favourite keyboard, uh, I had an Apple Extended Keyboard 2, the one that looks like an aircraft carrier and apparently even had the uh, internal the internal code name Nimitz <laughs> for exactly okay. that reason, but uh, and which was a mechanical switch, long travel, clickety clackety keyboard. Um, but uh, I never really liked the ones that followed that the the sort of dome switched ones. What they they uh, the kind of the the ones that they had in the in the iMac period really the you know the G three G four iMacs. Um, I never liked those. They had long travel. Uh, sort of traditional type keys, but with rubber domes under, and I always found them were horrible. But that's a whole different matter. Um, the the problem with the butterfly keyboard, as I understand it from what I've read, is that they're prone to just stopping working because if you get anything under the key at all, you know, it can be a bit of fluff, a, a piece of breadcrumb or whatever, um, the keys just don't work. Um, so although I guess... Asking to recall them and replace them with a different keyboard seems a bit extreme. I kind of see the point at the same time. If your if your beef is that the keyboard is so delicate and unreliable that it that it's unusable, that just fixing it or just replacing it with another one the same doesn't really fix the problem. Although I don't know quite how. <laughs> 
you would replace uh, a butterfly keyboard uh, with about exactly. a half a meal of travel with a with a keyboard, a different keyboard, and still and be able com- to shut the lid. That's what I was going to say. The computer itself is designed around that. So yeah, it, exactly. It, I, I mean, it doesn't. I could see. I could. I mean, saying okay, Apple recall the keyboards, repair everyone for free. That in warranty or out of warranty. That's totally reasonable. I could even say, see, um, saying okay, recall the keyboard, the laptops, repair the keyboard, make someone happy, offer them a wireless keyboard to go with it and use that, even though it's a pain to carry a wireless keyboard. That would be a kind of an option. We'll fix it, and then here's this if you want to use it. But totally redesigning the laptop which is what would have to be done. They might as well just re- release a new computer. Yeah, because obviously, you know, I have an older MacBook Pro, the pre-retina one. Um, it has the chiclet type keys and they're, they're, in, a, they're in a recess, aren't they? Uh, I, I don't know if you, if you recall those or if you've got one, but the, the keyboard is to be level with the surface of the laptop is recessed into the body. So, but then, then you know, my my laptop's half an inch thick. Um, right. That the new ones, you know, they're shaved down to millimeters thick, and the only way you're going to do that is to design it around that butterfly keyboard, which has no depth and no travel, and you can't really replace it with anything else. You'd have to, if anything, rather than issuing a recall, it would almost be better off to say, well. Um, you'd have to kind of make an offer saying, if you have one of these and you're unhappy with it, we will offer to give you a different laptop. Right. I was just thinking that. Kind of trade it in. Yeah. Bring it in. Prove that there's a problem with the laptop. And, you know, we will offer you a different model of laptop. I don't, although I don't know, do Apple make any that don't have butterfly keyboards anymore? I don't. Oh, they still have the the, um, MacBook Airs, I guess. Which I guess would be... (laughs) <laughs> that's a bit a of a downgrade down, but... <laughs> that's right. a bit of a downgrade isn't it from a 15 inch macbook pro um possibly with touch bar but yeah uh, it's true apparently according to this you know reliability issues have plagued the butterfly keyboard design since it was introduced um users but apple seems apple seems to if they find something they really like like it's very rare that they say yeah this was a bad design choice we're gonna redo it completely they seem to stick with it and until they find something what they consider better they don't go backwards yeah that is true um uh, i mean even the guy who wrote this article says personally i've had few issues with the butterfly keyboard it's impossible to deny that there are people who have major issues um and then you know what do you think about the keyboard well i've not used it enough to know um i haven't used it enough but when i tried it the one or two times it almost hurt my fingers to type on it because it was like typing on a piece of yeah, it's almost like, like a hard. It felt like you're typing a piece of wood or something. It's almost like typing on the on the um, on the glass, isn't it? On a on a right on an iPad because there's so. Although many... that I don't mind. Although maybe, maybe um, you know, with time you get used to it because some of it's habit when you type. You know when right when when I used to use you know the the extended two with long travel you you used to kind of crash down on those keys when you were typing you know almost like hitting a mechanic um a mechanical typewriter because that's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of keyboard it was and when we moved to chiclet type keys you have to learn to not pound on the key so much and maybe with the butterfly keyboard you have to learn to be more gentle still you know but um. I'm. I'm was having not used it enough. I I couldn't really make a judgment, but my initial feeling was that I think it's a bit weird. There's hardly 
any travel in it. It's almost non-existent, really. Um, almost to the level of, well, if you're going to do that, why not just have a have almost a touchpad type keyboard and uh, with, some, with haptics. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what they're trying to get people uh, to, used to doing, so they can do that in the future. Yeah, and kind have of. A, a totally virtual keyboard. Yes, right. Also possible, and I would not put it past them. I would not put it past them. That is true. Let's face it: the uh, the touchpad on the on the MacBooks has been um, non actually moving. Uh, is it? It doesn't move any more than the uh, than the home button on my iPhone Seven actually moves. It feels like it moves. You would totally believe right. that it moves, but it doesn't. If the phone is actually off, that's the only time you realise that the the button doesn't move because you press it and there is no no feedback at all. It doesn't move. Um, and they've done that with the touch pads. And when they did that with the with the track pads on on the laptops, lots of people would you know were utterly denied. No, of course it moves. It's moving. It's moving. I can feel <laughs> it moving. Um, I mean, obviously mine's old enough to actually have a mechanical moving uh, glass trackpad but uh there we go so i can't really see that petition getting anywhere but maybe it will maybe it will just stir up enough things because apple do sometimes kind of try and stonewall problems um on the whole i think they're pretty good but occasionally there are things that they will try and sort of brush off and pretend don't exist there was the um there was the horrible thing with the screens where people got, I don't know if they were delaminating or they were discoloring when they went all horrible. Do you remember? Yeah, I don't remember that one. No, that was a couple of years ago. People with certain models, they would, the uh, screens on their laptops would look like they'd got, um, like diesel on the puddle effect is what it would like. The, the screen would go and look like it got um, all this kind of rainbow pattern all over it. And Apple. Denied. I must have missed that completely. Uh, yeah, well, they denied that for quite a long time, and eventually they finally, I guess it reached enough, uh, you know, enough people complaining about it, and there were pictures of it all over the web. Um, and people who'd got it, it was it was pretty unpleasant. The screen was obviously delaminating or, or something, and uh, eventually Apple caved in and went, okay, if you've got this problem, bring it in and we'll change the screen. So there you go. So maybe the petition will um, move the needle somewhat, although I can't. I can't see them getting what they're asking for. Uh, no. For the same reasons you've said, I, I just don't see how you can uh, how you can put a different keyboard on on that laptop. And, um, and I don't see them designing a brand new keyboard for guys uh, is going to amount to a small amount of laptops that would need it. Yeah, precisely. Even if they could do it, that is true. Even if they could do it. Um. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Donny. Let's let's take a break. We'll have uh, we'll go over to John at Nemo's Hardware Store while we refresh ourselves with a new cup of coffee or whatever, and uh, we'll come back in a few minutes. Sounds good. Okay. John, over to you. I'm going to have to order a truckload of this product. It's called Tac Pen, T-A-C-P-E-N, 4-in-1, Tactical Survival and Self-Defense Pen. That's P-E-N. Cost is $30 in the U.S. Website is whiplabs.com. W-I-P-L-A-B-S dot com. We will have the link on our show notes for the TAC Pen 4-in-1 Tactical Survival and Self-Defense Pen. $30 U.S. from Whip Labs. Comes in three colors. Black, gold, and silver. You open it up, it looks like a pen. There is instructions. Number one, LED flashlight. 
That's at the far end. I press that and it's a pleasant low intensity beam that I can turn on or off with a single press of a button at the far end of the tack pen. Number three, titanium steel pen clip. That's the clip that goes in your pocket or wherever you're going to clip it to. Nice and rugged and strong. Number four, ballpoint pen. Okay, let's unscrew this. Oh, there's a nice ballpoint pen and it writes beautifully. Very smooth, very easy to work with. Number five, knife. I unscrew that from the other end of the pen and it's a curved knife just under one inch long with a very sharp tip. Very practical knife that I can use when I need to be in a tactical situation. I'm screwing that back on now. And at the very end is a hard point, what's called a glass breaker. And then I can unscrew the end there to change the batteries so the flashlight will work forever. The purpose of this, the main purpose, is if you're stuck in your car and you go flying off a bridge and you need to extricate yourself from your seatbelt, you calmly pull the pen out of your pocket or your shirt or wherever it happens to be, unscrew the knife part and cut your seatbelt apart. Then you are free from your seatbelt and you can use the very sharp tip to break the glass of your window and then kick that open and swim to safety. I just saw a really great television show where a person died because they couldn't get out of their car. Don't mean to be too grim about this, but that's the whole purpose of this survival and self-defense pen. So look at the website on our show notes for the pictures in the different colors and the views of the different components. Back next week with more from Nemo's Hardware Store. Thank you for that, John. Another excellent Nemo's Hardware Store. And, uh, Donnie, you've got something you'd like to mention, wouldn't you? A bit of a uh, Apple Store slash phone scam that's going around? This appeared in my local um, news channel um, in my area, but it's from a Kansas City, I think a Kansas City station, that there's a phone scam going around where people are posing as the Apple Store and claiming someone's iCloud account has been hacked. And um, apparently the caller ID is appearing as an official um, Apple Store. So it's a little more complex than someone calling and saying, the Apple Store, your iCloud account has been hacked. They actually make it look like they're actually the Apple Store. Right. So um, this article is saying, before you do anything, actually call the Apple Store in your area. Make sure it was a legit call, which I'm guessing it would not be, because it's very rare that Apple would even do anything like this. Yeah. But um, we've we've had just um, a little be wary. Yeah, but you always be wary of these things. We've had um, we've had similar things uh, going around in this country. Uh, in fact, my wife got a call the other day from somebody saying they were from HMRC, which is her Maj- her Majesty's uh, Revenue and Customs, aka the tax man, yeah. saying you know you're three thousand uh, dollars or three thousand pounds in arrears, and you know we're going to send the bailiffs round and all the rest. And she went, oh yeah, really? Take a hike. You know, well, the police and the bailiffs will be coming to your house to kill it. It's like, I don't give a monkeys. When the police and the bailiffs turn up, they're going to have to prove to me I owe them £3,000. You're not the inland revenue, so go take one. Um, But, yeah, always be very careful of these things. And as it says in that article, I did read it, Um, they always imply some level of urgency, don't they? You know, uh, however, right. whatever they use, it's... 
you need to do this right now. You know, um, give us your details or you know, if you don't give us some money right now, your electricity is going to be cut off or whatever. Um, right. And I think it's important for people to let family and friends know about it because people that listen to this podcast might be more aware of something like this, but like this, yes, like I'll send it to my right. parents or to my aunt and uncle. Exactly. So I know might say, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. That, and I'm actually fought for it. Yeah. I mean, uh, when we reported this um, phone call, you know, to the inland revenue that my wife had received and to the police, they said, of course, you know, we'd never do such a thing. The inland revenue will not ring you up or email you. You know, you would receive an official letter probably that you'd have to sign for saying that you owe them £3,000. We, we just don't operate like that. But, of course, the, the, the technique is to scare people uh, or to catch them unawares. Right. So, yes, you're right. It's a, as a public a service announcement, listeners, tell your relatives that Apple will never contact you telling you by telephone, telling you your iPhone, uh, your iCloud account has been hacked. It's not how it works. Uh and okay. Same thing with those emails that always have typos in them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have to watch. They're getting cleverer as well. They are getting better. I've had the ones that are obviously written by somebody who, uh, you know, English is probably their third language at best. Um, <laughs> and they're just laughable. But there are people, there are gangs out there working harder and harder to make them more and more convincing. So My just- father gets e- emails all the time, quote unquote, Amazon. Yeah. Wanting him to review products and to click here to give us your information. And I'm like, no, it's not real. No, they just want your information so they can buy a load of stuff on your account and you'll get the bill. Right. Uh, there we go. Uh, while we're just on, uh, still on the end of the Mac pieces, uh, I've found a nice piece uh, because it is, by the way, the 20th anniversary of the iMac. 20th or 25th? Blimey. It was 20th, isn't it? 20th. Yeah, 20 years of the iMac. Um, 9 to 5 Mac have a nice piece here called 20 Years of iMac, a story of relentless design iteration. I'm not going to go into uh, talking about it here because uh, I'm sure we all, you know, remember the iterations, but it's a a nice piece. It's long enough to be reasonably in-depth, but not so long as to become tedious, and it's a kind of refresher of uh, how Apple iterated uh, again and again from the G3, original Bondi Blue G3 iMac all the way through to the iMac Pro, and uh, quite a nice read. So I thought that's worth a mention, and of course it will be in the show notes. Um, okay, we'll move on. Uh, there's a uh, uh, this is what this one's just a quick uh, news mention, um, and possibly one for Mark Seeley uh, from you know a couple of shows ago. Risk OS Stable 5.24 has now been released for the Raspberry Pi. Uh, this came from OS News. So those of you who are interested in Risk OS. Uh, and want to run one on a Raspberry Pi, the latest version is now available. There you go. This has been a public service announcement. <laughs> um, it's full of them this time. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, there's not a lot of news, so we've got to do something else instead. <laughs> um, I've got another one here, which uh, I caught, I think, only yesterday afternoon. Um, a YouTube... Uh, this is a YouTube piece. Um, it's Star Trek... Transparent aluminium is now a real thing, apparently. Uh, Alon, transparent aluminium, a ceramic composed of aluminium, oxygen and nitrogen. Once pure science fiction, a technical term used in a Star Trek movie from the 80s. 
Uh, and apparently, according to this, it is now a real thing. So <laughs> there you go. Links in there. Go watch it. Make of it what you will. There <laughs> uh, we are. Amazing how many things from Star Trek have become a reality. True. Uh, but a bit like the, uh, you know, a bit like the Transformer last week. Um, people are fascinated by the sci-fi of their youth and uh, those who go on to be scientists engineers and such like people really 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 often are inspired to try and figure out how to make these things come true so there we are um there you go oh and donnie is that is that another link you've got there i just found a link uh 10 star trek technologies that actually came true Oh, right. Well, we'll put that one in as well because, uh, well, I guess the first one would be the communicator. Transparent number 10. <laughs> maybe, or maybe it's 11. But, um, yeah, I guess the most obvious one is probably the communicator because we all have iPhone communicators in our pockets. There we go. Um, well, we're kind of coming to the end, really. Uh, Wait, I have to. Um, let's I have to stop for a second because I'm going through this list real quick. Okay, yeah, sure. Number number three on the, this list, keto coffins. Really? Like what they shot Spock out of the ship out of? Yeah. It says, I'm reading straight from the page. Believe it or not, you could you two could be laid to eternal rest in your own Federation-approved photon torpedo casket. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, was available, slated to be available by 2009 but it's not for sale as of this writing. Mm. Price is yet to be determined. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. There we go. Okay, you can go on now. <laughs> no, that's fine. Absolutely fine. Um, well, I think we're pretty much done. Uh, the Worth a Chirp. This was, this was one you, you uh, mentioned, and I dug up Vectormator Pro. The powerful vector graphic design software for iPad and iPhone ha- has gone free. Um, well, I mean, Ve- Vectormator Pro, uh, or Vectornator, as they've spelled it here. I'm not sure which it is. Um, it's uh, an iPad and iPhone vector illustration package, like Illustrator, like uh, Affinity Designer. Um, pretty powerful. And originally, there was a free version, and there was a paid-for version. Um, but Apparently, they have removed the charges for the uh, for the extra for the extra features. So there we go. Uh, yeah. If you're even remotely interested in in vector illustration, um, go grab it. Uh, vector. Yeah, I've, I've tried it. I've got it. it. It's I don't a really. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I've I downloaded um... it for the iPhone, but um, I you know although in this article they're saying the uh, you know the iPhone. Uh, version has been optimized for space it's pretty cramped i'll be honest right but i'm pretty sure on a tablet uh you know uh, particularly on an iphone uh, ipad pro i should think it's a very very powerful piece of uh, software i saw this somewhere else a few weeks ago i think it's been free for several weeks now and i downloaded it and i've tried a bunch of vector illustration apps this is really good i mean it it's really easy to draw with the pen um, point by point, it does it does what you think it will do. Um, I used Illustrator for a number of years, and this I got so hooked on the way you draw in Illustrator, and this is very much like Illustrator, but drawing on your iPad, it, it's really good. I'm be interested to see what they do in the future if they're going to add a paid tier or something. It says they're going to keep developing it, and I think I read somewhere 
about something paid coming, but I don't know what it is. But for free, this is like, go grab it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Go grab it. I mean, I, I downloaded it when it, it uh, when the free version, and I think there were some in-app purchases. And now, effectively, I've opened it and had a look, and they seem to have disappeared. So uh, I appear to have been upgraded to whatever the, you know, the full pro version. As I say, on the... On the iPhone, it's it's a bit cramped. Um, on the iPhone, I also have another one which is called Vector Paper Plus, which, um, to be honest, I I think is probably slightly better on the iPhone. Very similar, but it it, it seems to make better use of space on on the iPhone. But they're both incredibly good. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I'm a professional Illustrator user for. Well, since Illustrator 1.1 or 88, take your pick. Um, On a similar note, um, Autodesk has an app called Sketchbook, which used to cost money, and I think it went to subscription. I bought it when it cost money, but now they've made that totally free also. Oh, really? That's worth it. I'll I'll paste a uh, link in it to you. Okay. Well, all right. All of those then will be mentioned in the show notes. Well, I, I think we've probably pretty much wrapped it up now, uh, Donnie. So uh, this is where uh, we normally ask you to shill yourself and uh, give yourself a shout out for um, social media or any other projects where you can be uh, found. Um, my website is hedgehogalley.com. Um, on Twitter, um, our teacher, RTT. E-A-C-H. Um, besides the books and the sticker apps, I'm working on uh, how to draw a video series, which I haven't figured out how I'm going to get that out there. I'd like to get it in an app form, but I have to figure out it. Um, sometime in the near future, you'll hopefully be hearing about that. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Uh, right. Well, we are, of course, uh, at Essential Apple. Um, Mark is at Ocean Speed if you want to find out what he's doing, uh, which, of course, at the moment is not very much apart from feeling unwell. Uh, I am at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And the show, of course, is on the net at EssentialApple.com. And really, thank you very much for coming on, Donnie. Uh, It's been a pleasure. pleasure. Absolutely fine. And uh, I'll let you get on with your Sunday. And I think I'm going to uh, open the window, put the oven on, and put in some chicken to roast. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. Now, it's been fabulous, Donnie. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and Anytime. Goodbye, everybody. And this is where I usually do the bit about the Amazon affiliate link. If you uh, go to our website and follow the Amazon affiliate link and then buy whatever it is you're going to buy, doesn't have to be anything from the show, uh, we get a small kick. Uh, I'm not sure if it's actually working at the moment, but do it anyway. You never know. We might get a few pennies to support the show. Uh, we also, of course, have a Patreon and we have a Pinecast Hips Jar if you would like to help us out with the cost of producing our show. And now, after that announcement, we shall go back to the regular programming. <laughs> We are part of the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan show, the Three Geeky Ladies, the Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, the Club Nintendo, and many, many more. Amazon, Google, Apple, Android, iOS, Alexa, Siri, Technology, Sci-fi, video games, tablets, computers, flash drives, 
toys, weather, and general silliness. Geekiest show ever, every week on the MyMac Podcasting Network. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.